tonight's passage is Ruth chapter 2, on page 225. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars and the men, the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an epper. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, "'Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you.' Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. "'The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz,' she said. "'The Lord bless him.' Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it would be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. 1 John, chapter 4, from verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Katie. My name is Paul. I haven't met you. Uh, we're in the book of Ruth, so if you want to turn back to page 225, we're just spending a few weeks in this little tiny book of the Bible, and I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, you have been so good to us in so many ways, and we thank you now for the word which we have before us. We thank you that you preserved it for us, and we thank you that we can read it in our own language. And we ask, Lord, that as your word goes out tonight, as, as you have promised, it will not return empty. And so we claim that promise tonight and ask that you would transform us by your spirit. And we ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. John Wesley said this, let me do all the good I can to all the people I can by all the means that I can, as often as I can, for I shall not pass this way again. Read that quote again. Let me do all the good that I can to all the people that I can by all the means I can, as often as I can, for I shall not pass this way again. It's a fantastic quote. He's saying, as a Christian person, it's not just about believing the right stuff, it's about living it. And every moment of every day is an opportunity to do good, to show kindness, to show love and to show compassion to somebody. I love the fact that John Wesley was best known as a preacher or a hymn writer, but actually he actually walked the talk. If you read his biography, he lived a life of kindness and compassion to everybody that he met. You could say that Christ was personified through who he was and the way he lived. Same with George Muller, one of my heroes of the faith. He said this, our walk counts far more than our talk, always. 
Now, there's a man who preached a gospel of grace and lived a gospel of grace. He was so persuaded that as a believer in Jesus, he was called to, to care for the poor, to care for the needy, to show kindness to people. He dedicated his whole life to doing that. If you know his story, he was most famous for establishing schools to educate children who would otherwise have no education. He was also famous for setting orphanages where he housed up to 100,000 orphans people who had nowhere to live and had no food for their bellies. He did all that whilst pastoring a church for 60 years, preaching on average three times a week, over 10,000 sermons. But he's not best known for his preaching, he's best known for his kindness. He never asked for a salary, he just prayed that God would provide, and God always did. See, see, friends, Christians should be known not for our greed, but for our grace. We should be known not for the way that we bully people, but the way that we bless people. We should be known as a people who are eager to do good. We should be known for our kindness. James 1 verse 27 says this. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress. That that was the early church. The the men and women who met Jesus had their lives totally transformed and it wasn't just about knowing the right stuff, it was living it. Lives marked by compassion, love, grace and kindness. In the early church, in Acts chapter 4, it says this, verse 33, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. How was God's grace at work in them? That there was no needy person among them. In that church, there was no one in need because the Christians were kind to each other. That's our big theme for tonight, God's extravagant kindness. By that word kindness, I I just mean God's demonstrated grace. Grace, the way that God lavishes you with stuff that you don't deserve, the big things and the small things. The way that God not just shows a small act of kindness, but superabundant, overflowing goodness into your life. We're going to see that in Ruth chapter three, 2 in three ways God's providence, His provision, and His protection. And just so you understand where I'm coming from, by by God's providence, I I just mean the way that God is in control of all things. He's at work day in and day out in the small things and in the big things in your life. The way he controls everything and directs everything. You ever had those, what I call those, just so happened moments? It just so happened I met that person at the train station. I had that great conversation. It just so happened that the email came in at the right time. It just so happened that a meal was brought to my house when I was most in need. It never just so happens. In all those just so happens moments, there's a, a hidden hand of God. It's called God's providence. And he orders all these things to show how kind he is. And by God's provision, I mean the way that God's hand supplies your every need. Not your wants, but your needs. God knows what you need. He provides in abundance. Food, clothing, shelter, water. 
spiritual things like forgiveness, adoption, hope and friendship. And by God's protection, I mean the way that the, the powerful, strong, mighty hand of God, he holds on to us, he sustains us, he protects us from dangers and tours and snares. That's where we're heading tonight, Ruth chapter 2. It's all about God's kindness. Naomi prayed for kindness in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 8, she prayed, May the Lord show you kindness. May the Lord lavish you with undeserved blessings, she's saying. And he does. If you just joined us, Ruth is this beautiful story of this little family and they're living in a land, but they choose to, to walk away from God, to wander from the land, to wander from God's people, to wander from God. They think they can do life without God. Disaster strikes and Naomi is widowed. Her sons marry Moabites. Her two sons die. And Naomi wakes up and, and comes home to the Lord and comes home to the land. And she brings Ruth with her, her daughter-in-law. And the key phrase of the whole book is in chapter 1, verse 16, where Ruth says, Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. So here's the question for us. When Ruth comes to the land, what kind of God does she expect to find? Will God be mean? Will God be capricious? Will God be violent? Will God be revengeful? Will God be legalistic? What kind of God is she going to follow? And the answer is an extraordinarily kind God. And what kind of people will she find in the land? Will the people be mean and self-centered? No, the people should be kind. See, God is very kind to his people. God's always been kind. Because God cares. There's a law of Moses in Leviticus 19. It's on the screen. It says this. This is to God's people. When you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Don't go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. How kind is God? God cares for the poor. God cares for the destitute. And he says to those who have lots, make sure you leave stuff for those who have little. And you've got to understand that when you come to Ruth chapter 2 because Ruth is poor. Ruth and Naomi are destitute. They have nothing. So get rid of all this sort of idea of these wealthy people. They are in poverty. You ever seen those pictures of those people who live, whose homes are actually on the rubbish dumps? Have you seen those pictures? That is Ruth. That is Naomi. They do not know where their next mouthful of food is going to come from. So will God be kind to them? And will God's people be kind to them? And the answer is yes. Let's get into the story. Ruth 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. It's a new character. He, he's a man of, 
of, of standing. He is wealthy. He is respectable. He's from the clan of Elimelech. He, he's of the right line. We're not told he's tall, dark, and handsome, but we're told his name is Boaz. Verse 2, and Ruth the Moabite, the outsider, the foreigner who doesn't belong here, she said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grains. She's basically saying, look, it's been night. Let let me go out and and rummage amongst the garbage to see if there's, there's some food for us to eat. Maybe God will be kind to us. And Naomi says to her, go ahead, my daughter. I think she's saying there, I wish it wasn't like this, but we are in poverty. And so she went out, verse 3, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. That's the story. You've got this powerless, poor, foreign, destitute widow. Will God be kind? And will God's people be kind? I love verse 3. As it turned out, it just so happened. What a coincidence. Out of all the fields she chose to glean in, she happened to find herself in the field belonging to Boaz. And verse 4, lo and behold, literally just then, it just so happened. Look who turned up. Boaz just so happened to be in the field that day. He just so happened to greet the harvesters. The Lord be with you. See God's providence, God's control of this. At just the right time, when we were helpless, God sent Boaz. The Lord be with you, he says. He's a godly man. The Lord bless you, they said. The key question is verse 5. Boaz asks the overseer, now who does that young woman belong to? That is not a flirtatious question. He's not saying, wow, who is she? And we know nothing about Ruth. She might not have been pretty. She might have been very plain. The question, who does that, that woman belong to, is a, is a kind question to ask. He's saying, who is caring for her? Who's looking after her? Who's providing for her? Who's her father? Who's her husband? And the answer we know is, well, no one is. She has no one to care for. She has no one to look after her except her God and God's people. Verse 6, the overseer replied, "Oh, she's an outsider, she's a Moabite. She doesn't belong here, but she came back with Naomi. Oh, but she's a hard worker and she's humble. She asked permission, verse 7, and she hasn't stopped working from morning till now. Verse 8, Boaz says to Ruth, my daughter So you spot the generational age gap. He is older, she is younger. My daughter, listen to me. Don't forsake this field, literally. Don't go and glean in another field. Stay here. I will provide for you, he's saying. And watch the the field where the men are harvesting and follow along with the women. I will provide, he's saying. And I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. I will protect you, he's saying. I've instructed them not to lay a hand on you physically or sexually. How kind is that? It's overflowing kindness because whenever you are thirsty, he says, verse 9, get a drink from the water jars. And Ruth is blown away, verse 10. At this she bowed down, literally she worshipped him and asked, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner, 
She's saying, Boaz, you've provided, you've protected in abundance. I don't deserve that. I'm a nobody. I have no rights. I'm excluded from the covenant. I don't deserve anything. Why are you being so nice to me? In verse 10, she worshipped him. She bowed down because at this moment in her life, Boaz is like the, the personification of kindness. The incarnate presence of the loving kindness of God, by his actions, he is displaying Christ to her. And Boaz says, verse 11, I I know all about you. I've heard that you left your family back in Moab, and I've heard that you came to live with these people who you don't belong to. I've heard that you're a kind woman, he's saying. Verse 12, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord under whose wing you have now come to take refuge. I love that verse. The safe, strong, secure arms of God. May he protect you. But Ruth is bold enough to ask for more. She says, verse 13, thank you for your kindness, but may I continue to find favor in your eyes? Will you provide for me not just today, but every day? You've spoken kindly, verse 13. And Boaz says, verse 14, I will lavishly be kind to you. I'll invite you to the table. Come over here, he says. Sit with us. Eat with us. Feast with us. Don't just take the leftovers, but eat in abundance. And they sat down with the harvesters and he offered her some roasted grain. It's like saying he offered her caviar and she ate all she wanted and had some leftover. Reminds me of the feeding the 5,000 where they get basketfuls of leftovers. Abundant, overflowing kindness. And she got up to glean and Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather. In fact, verse 16, pull out good stalks and just leave them for her and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned, verse 17, and she gathered what amounted to an ephah, or 13 kilograms. Just so you get it, it's a bit like a a beggar on Pitt Street being given a $50,000 check. How kind is Boaz? How generous? How kind is God? Verse 19, Naomi says, Where did you glean? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Who is he? And the tension is building. Who is this man? Uh, We know, but Naomi doesn't know. And Ruth says, well, his name is Boaz. And she's now joining the dots and says, the Lord bless him. He, verse 20, that is God, has not stopped showing kindness. God is a kind God, she's saying. He's shown kindness to the living because he's provided for our needs and for the dead, for your dead husbands. Because he's provided, verse 20, a kinsman redeemer, a guardian redeemer. God is so, 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 so kind. So here's my question for us. What kind of God do you trust in? What kind of God do you worship? What kind of God do you follow? Is your view of God a bit of an ogre who's a bit mean, who's capricious, who withholds things, who has all these rules and regulations? Is that the kind of God that you follow? Because that's not the God of the Bible. 
the God who shines through this chapter and is, is true for us today is he is kind and abundantly kind and super abundantly overflowing with kindness. Every single minute of every day, he's, he's at work in your life. He's at work in all those little situations. It's called God's providence. You're not in control, but he is. Thank God for that. And God, day by day, still provides for us. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Now, just think about this. How has God, in his kindness, provided for you today? Did you wake up in a bed today? Did you have food in the fridge today? Did you turn the tap and get water out of the tap? If that's you, then you're better off than about 80% of the world's population today. How kind is God to us? Did you talk to someone today? Did you get to come to church today and sing amazing songs about God? How kind is God? You know that phrase we, we, we say in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. We don't need to say that, do we? Because we've got jobs and we've got bank accounts with lots of money. We don't need God to provide us our food, do we? Because we can provide for ourselves, can't we? If you've got a job, that's God's kindness. If you've got money in the bank, that is God's kindness. If you've got food in the fridge, that is God's kindness. Never forget that you are totally dependent on God for everything. What about his spiritual provision? How has God provided for you spiritually today? I'm not going to steal the thunder from Ruth chapter 4, but that phrase, our guardian redeemer, in verse 20, is an important phrase that Boaz is a redeemer. And we're supposed to make the link to Jesus, who is our redeemer, the one who buys us back from the slavery to sin, the one who redeems us from the pit We are destitute spiritually before God. We are helpless before God, just like Ruth was. But God in his kindness does not treat us as our sins deserve. God in in his kindness offers forgiveness and not punishment. How has God protected you today? Think about that question. What has God done in your life today to protect you? I love this, 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 uh, this quote. Sometimes God protects us from what we think that we need. You ever pray that prayer and think, I, I need this, God, and God doesn't answer it. And actually, that's God protecting you because he knows best. He protects us from the devil. He protects us from death. He protects us from hell. He protects us in a hundred of ways that we don't see from words that, that will tear us down or people that we don't need to see. God's kindness is all over every page of Scripture. The cross is God's kindness. The resurrection is God's kindness. Church family is God's kindness. The fact that you've got the Scripture in your own language is God's kindness. The Holy Spirit who lives in us is God's kindness. Is that how you see God? He's a kind, gracious Good, loving God. Or do you just take stuff for granted all the time? So when you start to see God through that lens, it changes everything. You think, thank you, God. Thank you. It changes your heart from grumbling to gratitude. Wow, God, you are so kind to me. Thank you so much. So what kind of God is God? And the answer is he is, he's kind. 
Remember the second question? What kind of people should we be? And the answer is, you can tell me, the answer is kind people. It's not rocket science. It's what one John says, that, that if we love God, then we should love one another. If we understand God is kind, we're called to be kind to one another. Get rid of all bitterness and anger and rage and instead be kind to one another. Ephesians. Remember John Wesley's quote, let me do all the good that I can to all the people I can by all the means I can as often as I can for I shall not pass this way again. What he's saying there is that in God's providence God will place place people in your paths tomorrow and the next day, that you can be kind to. That person that he's placed you in the office next to, how can you be kind to them? The person that you bump into in the supermarket, how can you be kind to them? Mother Teresa said this, let there be kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile, kindness in the warmth of your greeting. Don't just give care, but give a kind heart. And as God's people, we're called to be the personification of our God. He is kind and we're called to be kind too. So think about it. Who are the people, even today, in these last hours of the day, that you can be kind to? Maybe somebody at 7pm church that you spot is not here tonight. It would be kind to pick up the phone tonight and say, are you okay, how are you going? And maybe there's somebody in this room tonight that you know is really struggling. It would be kind not to ignore them, but to sit down and talk to them tonight and listen. Maybe there's people here that you know are in real material or physical needs. You could actually just go and buy a takeaway meal and drop it around to them tonight. How about spiritually providing for them? Maybe you could just text someone a Bible verse or pick up the phone and say, how can I pray for you? How can you show Jesus to them tonight? What can you do or say that will be a random act of kindness? How can you show God's protection to people? One really simple way. There are people in our city, you know, who have nothing and live in danger every night. They live on the streets. How can you get them off the streets? I'm assuming you, like me, have got wardrobes full of clothes that you're never going to wear again. And there's clothing bins called Anglican clothing bins. You can just go and put them in there tonight, knowing that your generosity, your kindness will actually help somebody. Two weeks' time, we get to sponsor lots of compassion children and to release people from poverty in Jesus' name. We have much. What can we do with what we have to care and to show kindness? I love the fact in our distinctive it says this, we have a genuine concern for the marginalized and needy in our neighborhood, seeking to love them through deed and declaration. We say that on our website. Let's do it. Let's be kind to one another. John Wesley said this, kindness has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. 
kindness has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. It's not about how passionate you are if your actions don't match your words. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, and I'll finish with this. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High because God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. God is abundantly kind to people who show ingratitude and continue to ignore him. And if he's been kind to you, if you've experienced his kindness to the person of Jesus Christ, you are called, yes, you are called and commanded to exhibit kindness to other people. So who's that one person tonight? Who's that one person you're going to be kind to this week? Let me pray. Think about that one person you're going to be kind to and pray for them right now. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are abundantly and extravagantly kind to us. We thank you for the way that you provide for us daily, for the way that you protect us, for the way that you order our lives. But most of all, Lord, we want to thank you for your kindness shown to us in sending your Son, Christ. Thank you for redeeming us, for restoring us, for forgiving us. Lord, fill us afresh with a a wonder and a marvel at your kindness tonight. And may that overflow in the way that we are kind to others. In Jesus' name.